0: Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski.
1: Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and I've got Ziggy Rodriguez That's me sitting here to my left. Now, you know, in Scripture, things on the left aren't as good as things on the right. So you're kind of a goat today. Uh-oh. But that could also be greatest of all time. <laughs> so I don't know how we're going to interpret Scripture in that way. But uh, uh, And we're still missing our good friend, uh, Thomas Patrick Dorian. Uh, he's still under the weather, and we're praying for him, and uh, he should be back with us shortly. Absolutely. That's what we're hoping anyway. Um, so we have an interesting show today. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, well, I'll I'll start by saying we're going to talk. We we always like look at the readings for inspiration. You know, I know that's as you've said many times. It's anti-Catholic to look at the scriptures, <laughs> uh, but and that's a joke, everyone. It's a joke, y'all, guys. Need to, y'all need to recognize I'm making a joke. And uh, we look look at the Bible. Yes, yes, (laughs) we got special decoder glasses. (laughs) We can flip in the lenses. No, uh, so so when we look at the scriptures, we you know we want to go like, well, what what what's going to be happening in the universal church, right? Right, What will people be hearing when they go to mass? Uh, And interestingly, when we read uh, the scriptures that are uh, essentially playing out before our eyes, they'll be uh, proclaimed to us this weekend. Um, it's interesting that I, I think my prediction is most people will not remember the first reading uh and they 'll just kind of glaze over it right because it's uh it's 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 just maybe it just seems like out of context and and i don't know it's from the uh the book of wisdom, so the wisdom literature you know sometimes there's some really things that that are wise sounding <laughs> you know and then sometimes there's things like, well, what are they talking about uh and they don't really understand fully. Uh, and I would guess that most of our priests and deacons and bishops and whatnot who are given homilies may not be focused too much on wisdom. So I thought, hey, let's preach on wisdom today at the Catholic Cafe. I
2: think that's a great idea.
1: So That's what we're going to do. Uh, and, and so I want to look at the, uh, the, the, the reading from the, the Book of Wisdom, which is actually it starts in chapter 2, verse 12. Mm-hmm. We're going to read a little bit more of that today, but but I, I wanted to just we'll read what's what's going to be presented there at mass, mm-hmm. or what might might have been presented by the time that you you hear this. Um, and it says this: the wicked say, "Let us beset the just one, because he is obnoxious to us. He sets himself against our doings, reproaches us for transgressions of the law, and charges us with violations of our training." Let us see whether his words be true. Let us find out what will happen to him. For if the just one be the son of God, God will defend him and deliver him from the hand of his foes. With revilement and torture let us put the just one to the test that we may have proof of his gentleness and try his patience. Let us condemn him to a shameful death for according to his own words God will take care of him. So there's some there's some anger and bitterness there. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. And 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 he, the first clue is, at the beginning of the reading, let the wicked say.
2: Right, right, right. <laughs> so
1: when the wicked say something, it's like, well, these are wicked people talking. Right. And and I and I guess when you're looking at this from the perspective of, like, what are we talking about here? What, one of the things I th- I, I don't think that pe- it's it should be obvious when you stop and think about, like, what is this reading about? What are we reading about? It, it, it's easy to sort of draw a parallel and, and see something that happens – later in time from when the Book of Wisdom was written. Mm-hmm. So for most of us listening to this literature, we're saying like, well, it's like 3,000 years old. Why? How is it relevant today? But really what it's doing is, in, in fact, most scholars will tell you that um, that this is really a, a, a directly a prophecy, a prophecy of the crucifixion. Yeah. And you can start to say like, oh, wait, now I'm starting to see. Right, I'm starting to see when it when it says specifically, uh, you know, forth the just one be the one of uh, the son of God. God will defend him and deliver him to the hand of his foes with revolment and torture. Let us put the just one to the test that we may have proof of his gentleness and try his patience. Let us, you know, we'll, we'll we're gonna we're gonna torture his gentleness out of him. Yes, <laughs> we're we're gonna get proof. Right, you know, we'll give him the opportunity to prove himself.
2: This
0: person who says he's the son of God.
1: Yes, exactly. Yes. So so and, and what I love about that is. Hearing their words, the wicked who are speaking there, hearing their words, there is a direct par- – I love the parallel. If you, if you flip your uh, your Bibles open, uh, unless you're driving, uh, flip your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 27, where we're in the midst of the crucifixion. Right, And then we, we hear these words. And, and so remember what you just heard from wisdom, right? And you'll see this prophecy literally playing out before our eyes. So in wisdom, Jesus is crucified. He's up on the cross. And then it says this, I'm sorry, in in Matthew uh, chapter 27, starting around verse 39. It says, those passing by reviled him, shaking their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you are the son of God and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him and said, he saved others. He cannot save himself. So he is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe in him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. The revolutionaries who were crucified with him also kept abusing him in the same way. And it, and it keeps going on, right? So from noon onward, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. Um, and this is like one of the first times in the Bible where there's like people just misheard. Right. Right. And so what they, they, they said uh, afterwards, says some of the bystanders who heard it said, this one is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran to get a sponge. He soaked it in wine and putting it on a reed, gave it to him to drink. But the rest said, wait, let us see if Elijah comes to save him.
2: I mean, Mm -hmm. there are
1: sounds to do that. Of course, Eli, Eli, lama Sabakhtani means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right. So he wasn't calling on Elijah. Right. But they they misheard him and thought Elijah it's like, but then they're like, wait, wait. Basically, let's see if God saves him. If God saves him, then he was indeed the son of God. And I'm sure they would all feel bad afterwards. Right. I mean, I think they would all, at that point, become good Catholics. They'd
0: say, my bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we
1: were wrong, right? No, and and I get that. But back to wisdom. Right. I mean, wisdom essentially tells us that's what's going to happen. Right. I, I love the fact that that there, there is a direct. That's a prophecy that you can look at in the, in the Old Testament, in in the Book of Wisdom, in chapter two, and you can see it's a, it's prophesying almost. It's not verbatim, but it's pretty darn close. Right. Yeah. So but what really gives us insight? What I love about this prophecy is it doesn't just say by the way this is going to happen. Right. Right? It gives you it gives you um uh, more insight than that. It doesn't just like predict the future. Right. Right, which is all of us would love to know like what the roulette wheel is going to turn up. What are the lottery numbers going to be? That's predicting the future. This is more <clears throat> a prophecy in this way is not just telling us that something is going to happen, but it gives us this 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 um, insight into the mind of the of of not just the crucifixion, but the crucifier. Right. Right. Because there's a lot going on here in wisdom that we that we're not reading in this particular reading. Right. There's more to it. Like there's earlier on in wisdom, it actually talks about that. It yeah. talks about who is putting him to death. So it's not just. Saying that, like the wicked will then say this, and we're gonna we're gonna beat up on this just one right. because he's against everything that we want to do.
0: It takes you into the inside the mind of the unjust man and how the the unjust man thinks.
1: Yes, exactly right. So it actually you can and you can extrapolate that and you can say, ah, so this is what the scribes and the Pharisees were were thinking. Mm-hmm. This is why they didn't like him. I mean, it wasn't just simply that uh, that he's just he's just you know, obnoxious to us or whatever. But it's like they go on and say, you know, he's he's wanting to stop all the things that we want to do. Right. Right. And I'm sure back then if they used air quotes, they were using like the just one. You right. know, they had the air quotes going around that. So it helps us to see that. But I think also we can expand beyond the Pharisees and the scribes. Sure. And we can start to see ourselves in this. Oh, yeah. And so to do that, we, we have to go back to the beginning of chapter two. And I, I want us to, to go back. And I'm going to read some of that. Uh, And and see where that takes us. Because this is really, this is the picture of the mind of the crucifier. Yeah. Right? The one that is getting ready to torment and torture the just one. So we'll start really the tail end of chapter 1, verse 16. It was the wicked who with hands and words invited death, considered it a friend and pined for it, and made a covenant with it, because they deserved to be in its possession. They who said among themselves, thinking not aright... Brief and troublous is our lifetime, neither is there any remedy for man's dying, nor is anyone known to have uh, come back from the netherworld, for haphazard we were, were reborn, and hereafter we shall be as though we had not been. Because the breath in our nostrils is a smoke, and reason is a spark at the beating of our hearts, and when this is quenched, our body will be ashes, and our spirit will be poured abroad like unresisting air." even our name will be forgotten in time and no one will recall our deeds so our life will pass away like the traces of a cloud and will be dispersed like a mist pursued by the sun's rays and overpowered by its heat for our lifetime is the passing of a shadow and our dying cannot be deferred because it is fixed with a seal and no one returns come therefore let us enjoy the good things that are real and use the freshness of creation avidly Let us have our fill of costly wine and perfumes, and let no springtime blossom pass us by. Let us crown ourselves with rosebuds ere they wither. Let no meadow be free from our wantonness. Everywhere let us leave tokens of our rejoicing, for this our portion is, and this is our lot. Let us oppress the needy just man, let us neither spare the widow nor revere the old man for his hair grown white with time. But let our strength. Be our norm of justice. For weakness proves itself useless. And then the next line is the first line we read in scripture, which essentially let us beset the just one because he is obnoxious to us. He sets himself against our doings. Wow! Wow! So I mean, essentially at the end of this thing, it's almost like carpe diem. You know, it's 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 like. Um, uh, Vini, Vici, whatever the Latin is, right. you know, I came, I saw, I conquered. But it's like, um, we might as well live and let live. We might as well eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die.
0: Well, the thing that's that's powerful about it is, you know, we always hear within Christianity sin and death being linked, right? Yes. You hear phrases like in Paul, like the wages of sin are death, Uh, You hear Jesus has conquered both sin and death. Yes. But in terms of, like, sinking our teeth into that in a relatable way, you know, it's going to be pretty hard for most Catholics or most Christians. You know, some people might be able to walk you through Genesis and give you sort of a high theological answer. But in terms of, like, why is it that Jesus conquers sin by conquering death? Like, really, the answer is right here, because if he's conquered death by his resurrection... He's also conquered our fear of death. And here what we see is the thing that makes us inclined to sin is this fear of death, not just a biological reality, but it is its fear of of ultimate meaninglessness, of of, a fear of personal annihilation when I die. That's it. That's the end. There's no meaning. Nothing higher. There is
1: no more. There's no, more. There's no tomorrow. And, and right. you can't come back from nothingness.
0: And that's my, if that's your core truth, because your love that you brought in from chapter one, it said that, made it, they, that they made a covenant with death.
2: Ooh, yes, I know. So, so
0: if they've accepted yeah. death as sort of the core truth, then the result it is... Sounds like a
1: horror movie, doesn't it? Yeah.
0: Well, it shifts the attention to what we have is in the here and now. And so let us let us go. And it starts out at first kind of a cutesy type thing. of Let's go, you know, through a meadow. Yes, yes. yes. I have a, 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 a,
1: rose, a rose crown lest they wither. Make yes. a crown of roses lest they wither. It's like, yeah, well, there's some pretty flowers. Let's pick some pretty flowers and make a crown because we don't want those flowers to die.
0: Yeah, because they'll die just like us.
1: Yeah, but, but then they throw in this bit about let's oppress the needy just man. Let us neither spare the widow nor revere the old man for his hair grown white with time. But let our strength be our norm of justice. Right. Right. Let's beat up all the poor people.
0: Well, because <laughs> this is our portion. This is our lot. And, you know, God is trying to tell us part of the core messages of Christianity is God is our provision. Yes. You know, he is our portion. He is our lot. <laughs> you know? And we we
1: worry a lot about how we're going to get taken care of. Right. And that's, right. A, that's a daily <laughs> worry all of us have. Yes. And so I can see where people would fall into the trap of becoming essentially, um, um, you know, their mind is fixated on possessions and things right. and provisions and taking, making sure they have a nice bank roll. Right. Yes. I mean, I, 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 I get all that, but the reality is we live. Um, it never says the fear of death in here. Right. But that's what it's all about.
0: That's all, what it's all about.
1: It's like, well, if you're not going to exist after tomorrow, like what are you going to do today? You're right. going to eat, drink, and you're going to be merry. And, and honestly, what this goes on and says is it's at the expense of others. Yes. Well, what do you care? What do you care? There's, right. no, there's nothing left. And so what, what's really scary about all this, and it should be for people listening, I want you to see the connection. If this uh, second half of chapter two, which we read in at, at Mass, it's a, if it's a prophecy of the crucifixion, yes. then the first half of chapter two essentially is a prophecy of the crucifier. And the problem is... We're the crucifiers,
0: right? It's all of us. Yes, it,
1: it's it's really uh, it's really scary because and we, and and you realize, wow, how scary this prophecy has come true. I mean, how, how scary as it is, it it's we live in a time that's fixated on keeping ourselves alive, right. on making ourselves feel comfortable, pain free, um, beautiful. We have every salve unction balm that you can possibly imagine, and more. We have every an app there's an app for that there's an app for everything. There are all these things that that are going to basically keep us from ever like going off the cliff into the nether regions
0: right. I mean if people sit there and, and, and they, they look at Jesus's teaching of not worrying and they say, "Did he just want us to be happy and that's why he said, don't worry." Well, sure, he he wants the best for us generally. Happiness and he
1: wants joy. He wants joy
0: for us. But in a deeper sense, he's trying to address these core issues because if we're constantly – if we're worried in our hearts, oh, I I have to have this, I have to have that, um, and we're defining all the value of reality based on what's here and we say, this is our portion, this is our lot – we become confused about what really matters. We, we, we don't put God first. We put ourselves and we put the things of this earth first. And, 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 that's, and worry is almost always a, ref, you know, a, a, a fruit of that. I, yes. yes. And,
1: and, and us realizing that there's a prophecy in sacred scripture, in the Old Testament, in the Book of Wisdom, that essentially says that it's going to be these people, us, yeah, who essentially caused the death of Jesus, right? I mean, we we are now the crucifiers, right? Right, and and, and I I, th- I think of a couple things. One is uh, every time at uh, Good Friday or uh, uh, on the uh, Passion uh, Sunday where we actually read the gospel accounts right. and, and where everyone plays their, their parts, you know, which is very common now. You don't have to do it that way, but most, most parishes do it where everybody gets a part. It's like a big play, right? The passion play. We all get to, you know, and I've, I've always thought about uh, what I've thought about myself when I realized that the people, the crowd were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And I, and I, and I, I remember a long time ago thinking, man, that sounds pretty... Uh, i'm I'm like convicting him, yeah, and really I'm the one that is really unworthy, you know, and I'm actually saying, Kill this guy and I didn't realize that I'm connecting myself in this book of wisdom here as one of the crucifiers, right because I'm calling for his crucifixion and and then you further extrapolate that and realize that 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 your sins, my sins, are the reason why he's dying, yeah, I mean, and so you start going like, wow we're culpable. And it's it's a prophecy, and it should it should be a wake up call uh, for each of us. The other thing I think about when I read this now and think about this connecting prophecy, uh, I, I think about the 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 scene when I read the sort of behind the scenes stuff. You've obviously seen um, the uh, Passion of the Christ by Mel Gibson, his film, um, and. There's a scene in there where they're close up where they're nailing the cross into Jesus's hands. And I remember one of the criticisms early on about that film was it was going to be essentially anti-Semitic in nature. That it's like, it's like this is, it's just going to bring up, it's going to rehash all these things about blaming the Jews for the death, death of Jesus. Right? You know, you're a Jesus killer. You're, you know, this kind of thing. Which, um, thankfully, it didn't do that. There might have been pockets of anti-Semitism, which I, I, it's disgusting. Right? But, but it. And it shouldn't happen, but but what was interesting about that a little tidbit, a little bit of trivia, is that the close-up shot of the nail, of the nail being driven into Jesus the 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 Roman soldier that's holding it, that's actually Mel Gibson. Wow. So the director himself said, "Look, I'm not going to have anybody else kill Jesus. I mean th- that's, that's me, it's my sin." right and and Mel will be the first one mr. Gibson will be the first one to tell you he's got a load of sins he knows that he's had all kinds of scandalous behavior and some problems in his life uh, you know but in this moment I think he put those things out there and said like I'm a sinner and I'm this is not about Jews killing Jesus this is about sinners right crucifying Jesus
0: well I'm reminded also of um, I believe it was Origen um, who in his reading of the seven scrolls yeah. in the book of revelation, he says that there's, it's an important distinction that the, the seventh scroll can only be opened by the lamb who appeared slain. And the reason for that is, is you look at all the violence of the old Testament, all the wars, all the violence of human history, um, all the sin of human history and that the lamb appeared though slain. He took it upon himself. And that that helps you. uh, The reason it's important for that unlocks the seventh scroll is that unlocks scripture for us. You know, people read the Old Testament and say, oh, gee, you know, uh, there's a lot of violence in the Old Testament, you know, and stuff like that. I mean, that doesn't seem like a God who is love like this seems all inconsistent. We're like, well, the fact of the matter is the whole plan is for God to take all of that violence upon himself, which he did as Jesus. And he then resurrected conquering death and by conquering death he can conquer death our fear of death and conquer death within us so that we can become an Easter people and hallelujah can be our song.
1: Amen. And so this idea that we're a resurrection people I mean that's supposed to be so there's a there's a good side to all this. Yeah. Right. So this prophecy is not just to make us feel bad. Right. But it's actually supposed to connect us and essentially to allow us to convict ourselves and realize that we we're the reason for the season right? <laughs> <laughs> to borrow a Christmas phrase. We, we are the reason for the crucifixion Yes, and that we continue to be the reason for the crucifixion. And we need to stop doing that. We need to we start singing the hallelujah, the resurrection song. And when we live that way, think of the, 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 the people that will see that and respond. So then what we're doing on this earth, that's what's important.
0: Well, if we, if we, all of us, I'm sure, um, struggle with some sort of persistent sin yeah. uh, in their, in our lives. And it could be a consistent uh, worry that, that grips our heart. It could be some addiction. It could be any number of, of things that that a person might struggle with. And if we stop and we ask ourselves next time we do, let's say, an examination of conf- conscience before uh, confession, and we say, if we really look at that activity and look at that sin and look at that thing that we're grasping for, and we compare the tininess of our the smallness of our life on earth to the unimaginable vastness of eternity. Yeah. That God is inviting us into through the resurrection by sharing in Christ's resurrection. Then that gives us an opportunity to say, "You know what, Lord, I'm holding on. I'm I, it's, a, it's a fear of death that I'm that I'm holding on to with inside, and I invite you, Lord Jesus, to conquer death within me to conquer that fear of death within me
1: once that's conquered though everything just opens up to you The possibilities the beauty the gift even in the midst of the turmoil that surrounds us right now right you have a new outlook on that so then you don't contribute to the turmoil you don't make it worse and exacerbate and throw gasoline on the flames you essentially quench the flames or part of the quenching of the flames through your realization that that jesus has conquered death
0: and if we let him conquer our fear of death within us, we are positioned to 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 have the hearts of the martyrs whose blood was the seed of the church. To where, if somebody holds a gun to our head and tries to ask us to deny Christ, we're strengthened by His grace by Christ within us.
1: So you had you had a uh, uh, you you have a special connection to this particular passage. I, I do. Mean, your own your own experience with this. So when you hear this, what do you think about?
0: So I uh, a few years ago I. I have a thing where I, during uh, Lent where I do five straight novenas to Our Lady Undoer of Knots for deep spiritual cleansing and choose those knots. We've done a show
1: on Our Lady Undoer of Knots. It's yes. A, yeah, it's good. It's a, That's great devotion. It's
0: a wonderful devotion, great for interior healing and cleansing. And uh, I had already been convicted by wisdom, too, and I felt led to ask Our Lady to undo the knot of fear of death within me. Mm. And within the meaning of of wisdom too, and thinking about you know not just you know me grasping for the things of the earth, but also thinking in terms of uh, fear of ultimate. And is there some primal fear within me of is this all that there is that's eating away at my capacity to live out faith, or fear of personal annihilation, things like that? Really stepping into wisdom too, and inviting Our Lady to intercede, to undo the knots of fear of death within me, and it changed my life, Deacon Jeff, forever. And I can't recommend enough. Uh, if you feel so led, especially if you've got a devotion a devotion to Our Lady Undoer of Knots, to invite her to undo the knot of fear of death uh, in, in in your uh, life, and, and to spend that week meditating, or those nine days meditating also on uh, Wisdom too each day. It's extremely powerful.
1: So the big question for folks out there is, um, what are you afraid of? Like, yeah. well, literally, what is holding you back at this point? And I think when you get down to the heart of it, it's not so much that you... I, I know our listeners are not typically the ones that are saying, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die, and they just live life wantonly. But I think many of us are crippled sure. by a fear of death. We're, we're, we're afraid to move forward. We're afraid to speak up. We're afraid to do things. Uh, we might even think that uh, uh, the things that are going on in the world, we're afraid of falling into these conspiracy theories and whatever it's like. And uh, what I want to say is like, at the end of the day, If you know that Jesus loves you so much that he died for you, no matter what you have done, he loves you, and he loves you just the way you are right this very minute. Not the future you, not the better you. He died for the broken you. And when we realize that, it is, as you said, life-changing. Yeah, And it opens up so many things. So the question is, what is it that you're afraid of? What is it that's got you knotted up? Uh, And maybe we should ask Our Lady uh, to be with us, to bless us in this, and to to untie those knots and and to reveal to us the beauty and the gift uh, and the, the very grace of her son. And I think when we do that, it'll be a better life. (laughs) Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it sounds like we've, we've reached some wisdom here, hasn't it?
0: I think Amen. so. So
1: let's ask Our Lady, undoer of knots, to be with us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother, Mother of, of God, God pray, pray for, for us, us sinners, now and at the, the hour, hour of, of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Our Lady, undoer of knots,
0: pray, pray for, for us. us. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Café.